This is The Space Shot, episode 22, for June 5th, 2017. Two shuttles walk into a bar. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. Today we're covering two shuttle missions, STS-40 and STS-111. In previous episodes, I've talked about the space shuttle missions, and I'm sure you may be wondering at this point, what does STS stand for? Well, STS stands for the Space Transportation System. During the Nixon administration, the Space Transportation System was a fleet of different space vehicles designed to take humans everywhere in the solar system. The primary parts of the Space Transportation System were a space station that could be designed to carry up to 100 people at a time, a shuttle similar to the Space Shuttle for cargo and crew missions to low Earth orbit, a space tug that was chemically fueled, which would allow for movement between Earth orbits and to lunar orbit as well. Finally, there was to be a nuclear-powered vehicle that would use the NERVA engine to take astronauts and supplies everywhere from the Earth to the Moon to other planets. In a future episode, I'll be covering what the NERVA engine is, but for now I want to get back to the shuttle missions. The only part of the space transportation system to survive the political and budgetary pressures during the years after Apollo was the shuttle component, hence the STS notation for all of the shuttle flights. On June 5, 1991, STS-40 launched the shuttle Columbia and a crew of four men and three women, and they began a nine-day mission concerned primarily with life science experiments. The Space Shuttle Columbia had the Space Lab Life Sciences 1 mission in the shuttle payload bay, and this was the first mission dedicated entirely to life sciences. The NASA mission page for STS-40 has an extensive list of what was studied during the mission. Columbia astronauts investigated six body systems, the cardiovascular and cardiopulmonary system, which was heart, lungs, and blood vessels, the renal and endocrine system, which include kidneys and hormone-secreting organs and glands, blood, the immune system, specifically white blood cells, the musculoskeletal system, which is muscles and bones, and the neurovestibular, which is brains, nerves, eyes, and the inner ear. These experiments were primarily conducted on humans, but rodents and jellyfish were also studied in the microgravity environment. Knowledge of how the human body reacts to prolonged periods of weightlessness is critical for long-term missions to Mars and other planets, which is why the shuttle and current International Space Station missions focus so heavily on performing life science experiments. On June 5, 2002, the space shuttle Endeavour started the STS-111 mission to the International Space Station. During this flight, the Endeavour delivered Expedition 5 astronauts, one of whom was Peggy Whitson, who is currently in space as part of the Expeditions 50, 51, and 52. She has just broken the record for the longest single flight in space by a woman, and is expected to spend over 290 days on board the International Space Station before returning to Earth. Now back to STS-111. This mission was important because it delivered a critical part of the Canadian-made Canada Arm 2 system. The mobile base system allowed the Canada Arm 2 to move around the station along the trusses which form basically the backbone of the station. This enables astronauts to build out the station as modules and components arrived. The MBS, or Mobile Base System, and Canada Arm 2 are a critical part of the station, allowing for repair when the need arises on the station right now. One of the things I noticed while researching the MBS and Canada Arm 2 is their power requirements. The Canada Arm 2 and Mobile Base System use a maximum power of only 2800 watts and an idle power of 800 watts. By comparison, my desktop computer has an 800 watt power supply. Now for a bit of pop culture for STS-111. 
A part of all NASA missions dating back to Jiminy is the wake-up music that NASA plays for astronauts when they are starting a workday. Mission wake-up calls have been recorded by notable actors and comedians like Robin Williams, even William Shatner and Patrick Stewart, two of the captains of the Enterprise, greeted astronauts as they woke up, telling the shuttle crews to essentially boldly get out of bed. For STS-111, this was the first day's wake-up music. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance for pro, I know, you know. I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. That's it, now, honey, honey, come right. As you can tell, they like to have a little bit of fun with some of the morning wake-up calls. With Will Smith providing the first wake-up call for STS-111. Finally, on this day in 1966, Eugene Cernan performs his EVA on the Gemini 9 mission. In tomorrow's episode, I'm going to go further in depth on Cernan's EVA, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that episode. Tomorrow, I've also got a little bit of Soviet space history, so it's going to be another full episode you don't want to miss. I'm grateful that all of you have taken the time to listen to the show. It would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes and Google Play Music. If you know someone that loves space, history, or pop culture, please share the Space Shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.